Hey everyone, this is Sam, or That Girl with the Curls, if you must address me by some manner. Titles only, I believe. Um, I might be a duchess somewhere and not know it, so it's just best to keep that going. <laughs> but anyway, uh, welcome to another episode of That Girl with the Curls. This is episode 22 with, and I am not kidding, Philomar. That's right, Philomar. Um, it's, it's really hard, I think, sometimes to not get you know, like overly excited about the people that I talk to sometimes because, I mean, if you grew up in the 90s at all, then uh, you know exactly why Philomar is, is a big deal. And even now, uh, you know why he's a big deal because he was part of a lot of the cartoons that I grew up with, also uh, part of Mad TV, which was a com you know also a comedy show if you're not aware of what it was. Um, he was part of the cast for the first five years, I believe. And since then has just been steadily, you know, within the cultural zeitgeist, to use uh, the proper terminology, I suppose. Um, but he's always been present. He's always been in these amazing cartoons uh, that I grew up with and continue to watch and quote uh, back to my friends. Uh, and they quote back to me because that's what we do and how we became friends. Uh, just to name a few, uh, Samurai Jack, uh, Futurama... Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Static Shock, which we didn't even talk about that, but, you know, it's worth mentioning, um, as well as he's now on uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon on Nickelodeon playing Baxter Stockman, and uh, he's been in a lot of uh, film roles as well, the most famous of which is probably uh, Marvin in Pulp Fiction, just in terms of the overall insanity and his head getting blown off and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, Philomar kind of a big deal and uh, he was amazing just so fun wanted to play uh just ready to talk about anything and he's a super nerd and i love that i absolutely adore that and if we hadn't been uh talking so late in the day i feel like we could have gone for more than uh the hour and a half that we actually spent talking to him i literally could have talked to him for like hours and if he'd let me i would have done it or, you know, just until someone went to bed. I don't care. Um, so uh, this is the kind of thing that I love so much when I get to talk to someone who's just that willing to, to play along and wants not only to talk about their own career, I mean, because that's normally why they come on in the first place, but also to just talk about a bunch of other stuff. You know, Phil was ready to talk about comic books, Lord of the Rings, uh, Star Wars, all this kind of stuff. So we get into a lot of nerdy topics, and that's amazing. Um, also joining us was, uh, or me, or my friends, uh, Sean, who you've heard on previous podcasts, as well as one of my best friends, Kara Bertram, and uh, who you will now know as uh, the, the one behind the Kara Reads Books uh, segments that have been appearing of, um, as of late on the site. So yeah, uh, we all wanted to talk to Phil and talk to him we did and had a lot of fun with it. So uh, before we get into the episode, just remember you can find me at darling underscore Sammy. Uh, the website is the uh, is maniacalgeek.com, not the, take the the out, no the, or the, either way, however you want to say it. So maniacalgeek.com. Also find uh, the site on Facebook, Maniacal Curls goes into the URL, or you can just search Maniacal Geek in the uh, the search option bar field thing. Technology, I'm good with words. 
So yeah, um, just sorry, residual giddiness uh, coming off of this episode. So please to enjoy Philomar on That Girl with the Girls. So that he doesn't, and then he'll feel ganged up on and mission accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, let's. You're like, yeah, let's talk for a little bit, and now I'm going to fight all these people. Yeah, exactly. Like, hi, there's <laughs> people you don't know. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine. Oh, of course. Yeah, he's a pro. <laughs> Sean. Yes. Hello. Hi, Sean. How's it going? Good, Sean. This is my friend Kara. Kara, Sean. Kara, how's it going? Good. How are you? Oh, doing well. Doing well. Where did he go? It's on there. Where he... Oh, there he is. I will ask and see if he wants in. <laughs> Probably want to put it in like proper capitalization so I don't look like a crazy person. <laughs> Turn off the caps lock. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why are you yelling at me? <laughs> Avoid lots of exclamation marks and smiley faces. Yeah, like, I'm going to gush emoji, emoji, emoji. <laughs> I have all of the emojis. <laughs> <laughs> Must resist quoting his own lines to him. <laughs> we can at least chat. I'm already recording, so it's it'll be a pre-show show. No, <laughs> we, we can only sit in silence. Damn it. <laughs> this is going to suck. I'll take that challenge. <laughs> All right, the game is who can be the quietest. <laughs> See, now you can't do that over technology because I would just push mute. <laughs> then no. no one would know. <laughs> <laughs> I was being like, well, eventually someone's going to talk, right? I can't stand <laughs> You have to make those subtle uh, gestures, like a little cough, to psych people out. Like, like well, what was that? And you were like, no, I wasn't saying anything. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> well, don't worry, Sam, because the voices in your head will always speak. That is true. I'm never alone. No, no. <laughs> never truly alone. <laughs> All right, he's ready to go. Bill? Yes. Hi, Phil. This is Sam. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Uh, just so you don't feel um, ganged up on, these are a couple of friends of mine who wanted to talk to you as well. What the? I know. <laughs> who is this? <laughs> this is an intervention. Uh, Phil, this is Kara and Sean. to this duel, I'd have brought mine. <laughs> to get seconds and thirds. Exactly. Yeah. I have backups for my backups. See, that's why there's obesity in this country. <laughs> we just got finished with Thanksgiving too, so I've got plenty. <laughs> it's all turkey. Oh my god, I could just make soup for days. Oh, wow, I don't even know how to make soup. 
Do you just like put water in the food? Does that just make it soup? That yeah, I eventually. I just pour water, can, and then you're done. Microwave. <laughs> there you go. It's just turkey, and then you leave it alone in a pot, and then you come back and it's soup. Oh, right. That's, that's yeah. decay. Okay. <laughs> steps there. Too much. Like it's kind of like pop tarts, you know. Insert toaster and done. Like, right there, you go. <laughs> so who who are these people? There's Kara Bertram. Mm-hmm. Is that a first and last name, or that, you, that you and your boyfriend? We no, share an, no, we share a Skype. Last name. <laughs> um, and Sean Athan. Yeah, it's a nickname. It's the only thing Jonathan? that's never taken when I sign up. Jonathan. <laughs> is it is it Jonathan? Yeah. Or, My mom or is your middle, like, or is your middle name Nathan, and you're just like, you know what, I don't need the other N. <laughs> Merge them together? <laughs> yeah. It's an amalgamous... Uh... I, would say, I would say think on it. Think on it. <laughs> think of it for a new stage name, Sean. I'll just I think go it's by very economical. <laughs> Sean Nathan. Well, no, but if you were like a, a kid on a Disney sitcom, you would be Sean Nathan something else. Oh, my God, so true. Call <laughs> <laughs> me well, Sean Nathan. Sean Miller was taken, a, a, a character actor in his 70s. Sorry. Oh, whoopsies. Uh, well, yeah, we're already recording, Phil, so we can just get, like, um, intros out of the way because I like to catch people off guard now. What? Um, I know. I'm so good at it. Security. What, do you work for the NSA? You're well, always I, I recording. Can't, I can't confirm nor deny that, sir. <laughs> Uh, but Phil Lamar, welcome to That Girl with the Curls. This is exciting. Oh, thank you. I'm I'm glad you're excited. I'm I'm happy to be here. But I'm I'm going to Google you all while while we're we're talking. Oh, that'll be interesting. <laughs> oh, I've never been yeah. Googled. <laughs> that That Girl with the Curls, maybe the website, but I don't know what comes up if you put my name into anything. <laughs> Ooh, it's nothing but images. Wow. Oh. Wow. Oh God. <laughs> I told you guys to take those down. <laughs> Nothing leaves the internet. Uh, <laughs> just there forever. Um, and, uh, yeah, so uh, for those who don't know who Phil Lamar is, because if you've been living under a rock yeah, for the last, you know, decade or so, <laughs> or longer than that, actually, uh, Phil all those, is... All those people have already tuned out. Like I know. <laughs> oh, I don't know who that is. Phil, Phil, what? Whatever. Uh, Phil is the voice of so many characters. I can't like your IMDb page is ridiculous. It's so long. Well, if you live long enough and people start writing it down, and most of it is true. Oh, good. The vast majority of it. Which ones aren't true? So we can go back and double check. There is an uh, a Naruto uh, credit that is not mine. Oh. <laughs> You're so good you're getting credit for when you didn't even do it. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't mind getting paid for things I didn't do, but I don't want to Oh, fair. Yeah, I guess. Because I don't even know if it's good. You're like, i got to go watch that episode, apparently, <laughs> just see, you know, what I sound like. Exactly. Uh, well, just to name a few things that, that we all know you from, uh, there's Futurama, Hermes Conrad. Hermes Conrad. <laughs> you're going to kill me. Oh, so good. Uh, there's a uh, John Stewart from the Justice League. John Stewart, Green Lantern of Sector Two Eight One Four. You guys are very lucky. Uh, I usually forget to do the voices. Oh yeah. Usually, like in panels or interviews or something, someone will say like, "Yeah, you do Hermes." Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, just leave it there. 
awkward silence. They're like, oh, and I think people want to hear the characters because they're trying to do voice acting, right? <laughs> Forget that. There's someone like poking you with a stick, like Phil, do the voice, <laughs> Phil. Yeah. <laughs> what? What? Phil? What? All right, me. Right. Well, it's funny because I guess people have realized that that's like not like the hey, do the thing. Hey, you, you do that thing, do it. Um, do it now. So what they'll do in, in like conventions sometimes is, what would so you know like what would one character say to the other character? It's like, well, they exist in two different planes and two different dimensions. I don't that I don't see that they would ever see each other. That makes no sense. And then the person just goes flat it. and silent. I mean, I'm kidding. Uh, it would sound something like this. <laughs> but what if there was an amalgam universe where they happen to cross paths and everything? <laughs> like, come on, Phil, just do the thing. Do the monkey dance. Well, that's the funny thing is that when we started Futurama, I remember Matt saying um, that the Simpsons were imaginary and Futurama, the world in Futurama was real. Like, the Simpsons were a TV show in the world of Futurama. It just blows your mind anyway. <laughs> which which actually sort of explained the coloration differences. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Yeah, because Fry has the, the kind of the Caucasian skin and everything. Right. And Yeah, the, the, the color palette. Although it's funny because the black people in The Simpsons are the same color, but the white people are yellow. <laughs> I don't know. Was that – they couldn't get the, uh, the rights <laughs> to Caucasian skin? I don't know. Um <laughs> Flesh-colored is just, you know. That's right. At the time The Simpsons started, Crayon had that all sewed up. So yeah. They're like, Crayola's suing us again. Damn them. Exactly. All right, we'll make everybody yellow. <laughs> just do it. Matt's just like, do the thing. Whatever. I don't care. Like just make money. the only color in the public domain. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. They lost the rights to Amarillo. We're oh, God. <laughs> Uh, okay, I'm trying to think. What else did you do? Uh, ooh, Samurai Jack. That's right. Yes. Jack. Oh, yeah. Oh, the... <laughs> Sorry. But he does the same thing. thing. I know. <laughs> he does sometimes. We will defeat the evil that is Aku. There we go. <laughs> I feel like I've, um, I've been doing... Uh, I've collected all of the Samurai Jack players at this point because I uh, talked to Jim Zub and Andy Soriano. Oh, right. You talked to yeah, Jim Zub? Yeah, I talked to Jim as well. Oh, why not? Yeah, uh, they're, I mean, both sweet guys and everything. And um, I remember Jim saying that one of his, one of the things he really wants to happen one day is, I think if you two are at a con, he wants you to read some of the dialogue. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, that would be great. I mean, that's, that's the toughest thing about ask, having people ask you. It's like, oh, yeah, I do, you do that show. Oh, I love it. I'm like, I only do a part of it. Like, yeah. the voice actor, I think, is at best a third of the whole character because you've got mm-hmm. the writing and you've got the visual character design and without any one of those the other two of us are kind of left swinging in the wind you know because like well i can i can do the voice but i don't know what he says i have a <laughs> i have a guy who does that for me you know <laughs> and you know the same thing you know i think jim's finding that with you know the the uh, comic book is like well, it's not the whole thing. It's not. It's not the animated show. It's the comic book version. You yeah. know, without the voice and without you know, and certainly without the visual, especially that show because that show is so amazingly visual. But it's also, I don't know. It's it's 
So all of the elements are interconnected. The music, the sound effects, mm -hmm. you know, the colors, like everything about it is all working in conjunction. Yeah, I, I actually just posted to my to my Facebook page. It was the um, uh, Jack versus the Shinobi uh, Warrior. Uh -huh. So it's the the black and white when they uh, go in and out of the different colors. Ooh. Yeah, because the animation is so gorgeous, and then it's just it's. I mean, Jack says like maybe a couple of words, and then it's all about the animation, the music, the timing, and the pace, and everything. Yeah. And it just make you're just like, oh my god, I forgot how awesome the show was. Yeah. No, want it back. yeah, it was amazing because actually there were um, episodes where it really was just like a guest star voice actor would come in and spend like an hour laying out exposition and I would go, <laughs> I will find it. And that would be it in the rest of the action, <laughs> you know. Like, uh, Phil, could you say that uh, just a tad differently? <laughs> Although I feel like there were a couple of episodes that... I didn't even speak. Like, yeah, the I, character was in it, but I wasn't. Yeah, there were a few episodes that were silent. I remember that, like, in, except for ambient sound. I think that was it. Right, right. Um, have you been reading the comic? Oh, yeah, yeah. Have you been enjoying what Jim and, and Andy have been doing? Very much, very much. Uh, I did a, 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 a forward for the, uh, co the collected edition. Oh, awesome! It was really cool. I was I was so happy that that they asked me and that I got a chance to be part of it. Yeah. You're just geeking out over the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. There. I mean, there's just there's so much more stuff to do. Uh, also, um, I just want to mention this for people because you were Marvin in Pulp Fiction, which <laughs> <laughs> was probably one of the most famous head getting blown off kind of bits since Scanners, I think. <laughs> And that's right. And who was? See, we don't even know who the guy was in Scanners. I know exactly. He just like mind blown. And at least we have a name for you. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then also Mad TV, which was a huge thing when I was growing up. I absolutely loved the show. Oh, that's so uh, funny. Because how old are you, Sam? I'm thirty. Right. Okay. So yes, you're dead in the crosshairs. Yeah. Uh, Jack the exactly. EBS guy is like one of my favorite sketches. Uh, from any of those shows back then when I was growing up. It was, like, the first, like, role I tried to, like, impersonate at school to, like, get some laughs. <laughs> really? Yeah, just, like, I love the character. It was just always so fun, and it was always just, like, and honestly, ever since then, I'm friends with all the UPS guys at work, honestly. Just, just, <laughs> like, I'm just going to be friends with you guys because cool guys. <laughs> That's great. Just jumping back and forth. You're like, hey, hey, yeah. how's it going? How's it going? <laughs> It's it's yeah because in doing like trying to do as much research or you know as minimal or as much as you can do like seeing clips from uh, Mad TV again being like oh my god I remember how how funny this was especially in those um those first couple of years when it was like the original cast right well I mean it's funny because the thing about those first couple because it really did change significantly after the second season. But then it went mm -hmm. on for 12 more years. So. I know, it's so weird. Did it actually go on for 12 more years? Yeah, the show ran for 14 years. So weird. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, and you get like Alex Borstein out of it, Will Sasso, uh, Orlando, who's on Sleepy Hollow as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly getting killed, I don't know. Right. <laughs> like, no, oh, no spoilers. Right. <laughs> Since we didn't even find out. Don't tell me what happens to the headless horseman. But um, 
so and and I, I think just starting with Mad TV because you did you start doing voice work while you were working on the show or had you always wanted to do voice work like prior to that? Well, my very first professional job actually was uh, doing a voiceover on a cartoon when I was in high school. Oh, really? What was it? It was the Mr. T cartoon back in 1980, 1980, whichever year Mr. T was at his peak. Oh, my God. He he had the the, the A-team. He had Mm -hmm. a serial. And they figured, what else? How else can we try to make some money off this? I know, a cartoon. I remember that cartoon. Oh, it was so bad. Oh, do you remember any of your lines from it at all? Oddly enough, I do remember one, which is weird, because there are much better shows that I've done more recently that I don't remember anything from. But there was one line in an early episode where my character, Woody, uh, well, because the premise of the show um, was that Mr. T was the coach of a traveling gymnastics team. uh, Like you do. With a bunch of kids who went around solving mysteries at their various uh, places where they had their meets. <laughs> I love it so much. So basically it was a ripoff of Scooby-Doo, mm-hmm. and, except they had the dog didn't talk, but he oh. did have a mohawk. Okay, Ooh. fair enough. And, that is a dog you don't want to mess with. Oh. Trade off. Yeah. No, no. It was, it, <laughs> and the, I remember that there would be times when the kids – would be chasing after the bad guy, and they would start doing cartwheels because they're gymnasts <laughs> in order to catch up to the guy who's running away. Like, do you actually go faster while cartwheeling? It would seem to me that you would actually go slower. The forward momentum, you see physics, how it works is. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know, there was one, I remember they found a clue, and <laughs> someone said, Gaul, Gaul's like, G-A-O-L. That's how they spelled jail in the olden days. <laughs> and I think that pretty much speaks to the <laughs> level of writing that uh, you're dealing with. It's still Mr. T, so I think it automatically gets, like, awesomer no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I still watch episodes of the a I'm like, this is so corny, but I love it. <laughs> Uh, so, so that was your first gig, and then, uh, then was it was it more um, on screen acting, or did you just kind of fall out of voiceover work, or how did that how did that uh, I guess evolve? Well, that was really just sort of a summer job. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't really awesome think job. of it as a yeah. I didn't really think of it as a as a career. Um, I went away to college, and I was interested in acting. When I came back, I mean, back then voiceover wasn't really a thing you'd pursue. Mm-hmm. You know, there were obviously people who did the vo- cartoon voices, but it was such a specialized field um, that you didn't really think about getting into it. Um, I mean, obviously, I would have loved, and I and I thought about doing voiceover work, you know, but for me, that was just like one other aspect. You know, I'd love to do stage. I'd love to do movies. I'd love to do voiceover. You know, like, it was all pieces of the pie that would hopefully add up to a living. Um, Did you go to college for uh, for theater or for film or anything like that? Um, I, all the schools I applied to had some sort of either reputation or uh, programs. You know, I applied to Northwestern and USC and uh, Carnegie Mellon and Yale. 
And but I wound up being an English major at Yale. Um, yeah, <laughs> and doing a lot of plays, you know, extracurricularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't get it back into voiceover again until Mad TV, when we, because uh, we did those claymation pieces the first few years. Oh, that's right, the Rudolphs, where it was just like blood and guts. Exactly. <laughs> oh, those were so good. And the clay uh, uh, parody of Cops, Clops. Oh, oh, wow. oh my God, I love that. Call? Clay cops, clops. Nobody's gonna get that. Um, Everyone, start gushing now. <laughs> like, it's like, oh my god, I remember that. Oh yeah, yeah. Raging Rudolph was great. That was such a great piece. I remember watching that with my mother because the Rankin and the Rankin and Bass uh, things were, were you know, their traditions in in a lot of households, and mine was one of them. That's and, funny. Oh and yeah, when they came up, and we were just laughing our asses off. <laughs> It's <laughs> like, yes, of course. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's right, because so, you, yeah, you would have been old enough to watch the bloody version of it by then. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, my mother was not that concerned with violence. She was just like, whatever, <laughs> you'll figure it out. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I, I was left. A, I was given a wide berth in terms of the uh, television I could watch. Oh, so. that explains a lot. <laughs> yeah, it really does, actually. <laughs> I was not told not to watch there. something. <laughs> Friends were like, I can't watch South Park. I'm like, that sucks, man. <laughs> I'm going to go home and watch it, like, right now. <laughs> oh, my God. I had friends who, like, never got to watch The Simpsons when it was first airing and anything like that. And... I had friends like that, too. Couldn't watch The Simpsons. I think I had a friend who couldn't watch Futurama, too. Well, I think Futurama was, well, I'm trying to remember back then. I mean, it was... Some, of the, some of the stuff was, yeah, I mean, the, the Snoo Snoo episode. Uh, <laughs> that, was, that was when we were on at 7 o'clock on Fox. Mm-hmm. You know? We want Snoo Snoo! Me <laughs> <laughs> want Snoo Snoo! I'm not even kidding, Phil. So Kara is in, uh, she's in Champaign-Urbana right now. Um, it, when she left Washington State, uh, we, to keep in contact for the longest time, would um, send... Uh, Futurama or Simpsons quotes to each other. <laughs> it was our way of staying in contact. <laughs> <laughs> Did you send each other Snoo Snoo comments? Because I, I don't know. Th- that may be go- going beyond friendly. <laughs> I don't know if Snoo Snoo was involved. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's anything wrong so. with that? If y'all swing that way? <laughs> y'all are both, I'm sure, very pretty. Mm-hmm. Quite. So, you know, do uh, whatever you're into, just don't do it in Florida. <laughs> it's all legal in Washington and in Illinois. Of course. <laughs> but no, it was a, it was one of those things where um, when we were in college, we would you know uh, have movie nights and or just TV nights, and we would either watch like Futurama or uh, Simpsons, or even um, we would watch Justice League. Actually, I remember Carrie yeah. coming over at a Justice League night. A lot of Justice League. Yeah. <laughs> now, when you guys were watching Justice League. Were you comic book people first, or no? Uh, Did you have a yeah. superhero interest that brought you to Justice League, or? Yeah, yeah. I did, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah think, I, was, uh, I think the animated series, like the Batman animated series, was kind of like a gateway comic book cartoon. Right. <laughs> and you get in, really interested into it, and so I remember watching Justice League because I remembered seeing the um, the... Batman animated series, and I was like, oh, it's more Batman. 
And then oh, I got okay. League. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. No, no. Uh, not to not to leave you out, Sean, but like, dude, you're a dude. Well, <laughs> like, you don't have to ask a boy. I just thought you were asking a general question. So were you into superheroes at all? It's like, yeah, of course. <laughs> you, you tied a blanket around your neck when you were six and jumped off shit. That's what boys do. Like, with girls, I'm, I'm always much more interested in, to figure out how people got into, especially if they're into, like, you know, capes and cowls. Mm-hmm. You know, because, I mean, honestly, it's... You guys are unicorns. You're rarities. Yeah, I guess less so nowadays. Yeah, I think it's it's becoming much more the era of the geek girl, the rise of the geek girl, essentially. Um, or, and it's not even the rise. It's more that we're we're more comfortable being out um, in the same areas. Right. Well, because when I was when I was uh, younger reading comics, the women I knew who read comics did not read DC and Marvel. Oh, oh what did they wow. read? They read um, Love and Rockets. They read you know more independent alt kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Um, what's uh, uh, Lloyd, uh, Dan Klaus, that kind of stuff. Okay. I mean, this was like in college. Mm-hmm. You know? um, yeah, because uh, I actually started reading, I actually started reading them in college huh? um, as a kind of like, uh, so uh, Kara and I are both uh, history majors. And uh, I I read comics to get away from reading history all day. (laughs) (laughs) Great escape. Um, And and yeah, and then ended up just really diving into like the the worlds of, I mean, I, I'd been familiar with Batman and Superman since I was little because of the, my mom introduced me to the 66 show and um, Wonder Woman and all that kind of stuff. So I I knew them. It's just, I'd never extensively read the comics before. And, And then I just was like, no holds barred, just dove right in and never came back. Funny. Yeah, there's, uh, some, there's something really interesting about that. The the characters that are part of just the cultural fabric, and I think it's mm-hmm. part of the problem DC is having um, that Marvel is not. Like, mm-hmm. Marvel basically sold all of their characters that are, that are their Mickey Mouses. Uh, yeah which are the harder ones to translate into, you know, from, from one medium to another. Like, S- Superman is a hard character to write because, one, he's the big blue boy scout, and mm-hmm. there's, no, there's very little there there, but also you're fighting against the fact that everybody thinks they know Superman. Yeah, 75 years worth of history, and you're just like, well, this is my Superman. Well, this is my Superman. And you know, and then we have Man of Steel. <laughs> right, exactly. It's like, well, who's that? Well, I don't know that. That's not, you know, it's like if you suddenly, like, did a gritty Mickey Mouse. <laughs> like, nobody, nobody really is deeply invested in Mickey Mouse until you try to change something. Or it doesn't vibe with the image that's in their DNA. And it's the same problem with Superman, you know? And, I mean, I think a little less Spider-Man. Um, I think Spider-Man belongs more to a time of life, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to, like, people... Like, if you ask somebody on the street, they recognize the image of Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, Spider-Man! But, like, mm-hmm. what's Spider-Man like? Like, uh, yeah, I don't know, he jumps around, I don't know. <laughs> but if you ask them, super, the web. Yeah, if you ask them what Superman is like, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, well, you see, you know, truth, justice, the American way. You know, like, either they're, you know, parroting the 
old show that they saw in reruns when they were kids. Yeah. You know, it's just a lot more, it's, it's a lot harder. Like, that's why when they came up with Iron Man, the, like doing Iron Man's movie, I'm like, who cares? It's a <laughs> B-list, he's a Silver Age B-lister. And of course, that was the thing that mattered. It's like, oh, everybody knows the name, but nobody, like the, the brand isn't well known enough, but nobody's like that invested. So you can basically write it the best way you can and people will accept it. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, because Iron Man was like, uh, I mean, it wasn't necessarily a gamble, but it was, it was a risk, uh, you know, for Marvel to be like, well, we're just going to put it out there and we're going to try and set this thing up. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, we tried. Right. Well, um, and we haven't burned off one of our A-list uh, heroes. Exactly. You know? Like, they're not getting screwed up over, at, you know, Fox like the X-Men or something like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Because, I mean, because what is the biggest... The biggest Marvel hero is Spider-Man, right? Probably the most, most well-known in terms of, like, an individual, yeah. Yeah. Um, or, or Wolverine. Yeah, Wolverine. Wolverine, right, right. Yeah. Well, And that's the hilarious thing is that, like I said, they sold off their <laughs> Superman and Batman. Yeah, pretty much. Like, X-Men <laughs> and Spider-Man belong to other people. Well, and even the, the Fantastic Four, because they're doing the reboot now uh, again, uh, <laughs> that, that's Fox, though, not Marvel, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's Fox. Uh, Fox has um, Fantastic Four and the X-Men, uh, and then Sony has Spider-Man. Yeah. And Marvel has, like, everybody else now. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? Is Fantastic Four doable? Uh, I actually kind of enjoyed the, the, the movies that came out for what they were. Uh, I thought, <laughs> wow. Talk about Danny I, with faint praise. I know. Well, because Chris Evans was a good Johnny Storm. I thought yeah, he was uh, probably the best part of that, as well as Michael Chiklis, even though I know they tried to do a better job on the suit than in, like, the Corman film. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, was, was Chiklis in a suit, or did they mocap him? I no, he was, in a, he was in a foam rubber suit. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so he had to be in makeup for, like... God, three to four hours, I think, in terms of, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff that I was watching at times. Um, but him and, and Evans had, like, great chemistry. It was, unfortunately, Jessica Alba and Yoan Griffith just oh, didn't right. work for me as, as, as Reed and Sue, um, just for a number of reasons. <laughs> well, now, is it – well, yeah, that's – I mean, Jessica Alba's just a tough sell, period. Um, but Reed and Sue – are really bad characters. <laughs> like, I, I was having this argument with somebody uh, on Facebook the other day when they released some new information about the, the fact that Victor Von Doom, Dr. Doom, is not going to be named Von Doom. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I'm like, really? You're going to fight for that? <laughs> like, yeah, we're, well, we're rewriting World War II, and we're going to call... Uh, Instead of Adolf Hitler, we're going to call him Adolf Jew Killer. Is that too on the nose? Is that too on the you know? It's like Von Doom? That's, that's hack. That's, it's like, uh, is that the bad guy? I don't know. Well, it's like, yeah, it's like Hal's a nemesis is Sinestro. It's like, guys, come on. It, they were not subtle back then. No, dude, on his planet, Sinestro, it means something totally different. It's just a weird coincidence. Seems like regular good dude who does things. Right. Well, isn't that the funny thing? Like when you say, say, well, Sinestro was the greatest of all the Greenlanders. Really? 
<laughs> they didn't know his name? <laughs> the, the guardians are just kind of like, well, his name is Sinestro. I, I think it's fine. It's just, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to get run to that same problem we ran into with Evil Dan. <laughs> <laughs> you promised not to bring up the Evil Dan thing. I'm sorry, Gambit. Uh. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, that's what I love about that's what I love about the golden and silver age, you know, aesthetics and everything is that every it was so obvious and and, and you want to believe that we've moved into an era where it's less obvious, but there have been books you read or movies and everything or television shows named Gotham, right? Where well, because part of it is we well, I mean, we as comic book people are so deeply invested in the nostalgia of our medium. You know, like, yeah. like if we were like artists, painters, it's like, no, you have to do the, you have to paint like the Renaissance. That was the best. <laughs> <laughs> like Michelangelo and Leonardo. Oh, where's your shit? What's with this abstract nonsense? Boo! <laughs> what about continuity? Uh, <laughs> Fire on you and your cubist ways. Exactly. <laughs> so we keep pulling our artists away from like creative paths, you know, because every time somebody tries to do something different, we scream and yell. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, do you read, uh, I mean, which company do you, do you tend to side with or do you have like a particular uh, favorite? I mean, I, um, I, I grew up primarily as a DC guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause Batman is my, my totem character. Is your spirit animal? Yes, Exactly. I shall become a bat. Um, yes. And so, yeah, most of my, like, most of my long boxes are filled with um, deep, more, well, I edge slightly more DC than Marvel. I, but mm-hmm. I will go back and forth. Uh, yeah. You know, especially when they were doing all of the, whenever they do the year-long story arcs, I will just, you know, if, if I don't dig it, I'll just stop reading for a year. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, well, when they start, put it, when they put a new banner at the top, I'll check that out. Because this, <laughs> this Civil War thing is boring me. It's like Star Wars, it's like, you know, the Phantom Menace. And now the dramatic, you know, um, height of this film will be a Senate hearing. <laughs> all in favor, say aye, you know. Nay. Right. I wish, I, did you guys see the, um, the recut of the uh, Star Wars trailer? The Lucas cut? Yeah. 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 That's the only thing missing. <laughs> is a Senate hearing. Although they mention it. Yeah, we need more discussion of economic and political matters in order to justify everything. Oh, my God. Well, <laughs> but I, actually, I would love to do that. Just do a cut of the, the prequel trilogy with, that's mm-hmm. just... Senate and procedural stuff <laughs> and offensive racial stereotypes. Such <laughs> offensive racial stereotypes. I mean, oh, I think the movies would be probably like just ten minutes shorter. <laughs> probably. Uh, Anakin is the most racist thing ever. <laughs> Wait, which, which one? The Trade Federation. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Ooh, yeah, it's like, wow, was George watching a lot of World War II propaganda? He wrote <laughs> He watched Torah, Torah, Torah so many times. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, but the weird thing is, if it were just them, 
You know, you go, oh, okay, you made a, he made a choice. But mm-hmm. it's them. It's Wano. Oh, yes, what are you doing? I love when he's back. Sasha Baron Cohen character. Uh-huh. And, and, of course, Jar Jar. Oh, yeah. You know, and actually, I guess all of the Gungans. Misa wants to go outside. How is there no chicken underwater? You know. <laughs> God. Hey, Watto implicates his kind, too. Because he's like, your mind tricks won't work on my kind. It's like, yes, I it's know. Like, Only money. It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, I remember coming out of Phantom Menace because I, I remember how excited we, you know, we were to go and see that because you're like, oh, my God, a new Star Wars movie. Like, the uh, my father used to, we would uh, rent the original trilogy and, like, uh, Indiana Jones and everything and watch those in a weekend. Like, that was our bonding thing. And uh, and so when we go to see the new Star Wars, we just come out of it going, what the hell? What did I just watch? <laughs> Stupid Padres and Anakin was like, you're an angel. Oh, God. <laughs> a little kid, I never wanted to strangle a child more in my life. Well, see, and that's the weird thing is, if you go back and watch, I'm not even going to call it episode four, if you go back and watch Star Wars, mm-hmm. um, the acting, acting... I mean, American, I don't remember the acting in American Graffiti being bad, mm-hmm. but the acting in Star Wars was not great. Harrison Ford <laughs> yeah. was really the only one who got away with it. <laughs> and I, and I, I mean, I love Mark Hamill. I think Mark Hamill is an incredibly talented actor, but I, somehow George picked the wrong takes. <laughs> and then he did the exact same thing, even worse, in the prequels. Oh my god! Oh like, yeah, I, I will stab somebody <laughs> over uh, Natalie Portman. I love <laughs> Natalie Portman. I know. How did how did that happen? Especially the last movie. Whenever she and Anakin would talk to each other, oh, so I would just bad. like hateful. <laughs> it was yeah. I I think that George and I've ne- I've gotten nobody at Lucas to confirm this but I feel like while he was developing all the new CGI and all these different techniques and digital cameras, he found some sort of digital filter to take the acting out of a performance. Because there's no other way to explain how somebody as good as Natalie Portman turns into a bloody block of wood in those movies. Yeah, it's like, with at least with Hayden Christensen, you're like, yeah, I've seen you in other stuff. It's eh, not that great. Um, <laughs> but the... But the I think that the best parts of of the of that trilogy, I guess, is is just you and McGregor working with so little. Count Dooku, Count Dooku, Christopher Lee. Anything. Like, because even like the Yoda stuff when they have him bouncing around with his lightsaber, I'm just like, is that supposed to be badass? Because <laughs> like it looks like a little Muppet just trying to like bounce around, and Christopher Lee's just like swinging a sword at something. Yeah, no one's been 700 years old. <laughs> that, that would have been really funny if they just had Kermit come in off the edge of frame in like a Jedi ride and go, Yay! He tags in hey. for, uh, for Yoda. Oh, piggy. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, no, uh, I mean, I'm so pumped for the new one just because it looks, I mean, yeah, it looks good, but at least it, I don't know, it, it feels more Star Wars, I guess. Yeah, it feels like it's going to be one of those rare times where some somebody who grew up on something 
will actually be able to get it instead of giving you like a mimi a bad copy of it because like there are those seasons on the simpsons that people always complain about where the writing staff was entirely people who grew up watching the simpsons yeah Yeah. they had this weird sort of like regurgitated vibe it feels like jj abrams has figured out like okay i don't have to be a slave to everything that came before i just have to tap into what was great about it. Yeah, yeah and, and he's got more, um, he's got, he's got more freedom, I guess, with the, the sequels. Yeah, I hope. Uh, yeah, I would hope so, because, I mean, they, they've kind of been really wishy-washy about what is and isn't canon at this point after Star, after the, the original trilogy, and and that's what, it's what I hate about prequels now when they put them out. It's like, it's such a foregone conclusion, guys. There's no point to right. it. Like, I know Wolverine's going to end up with an adamantium bullet in his head. Like, <laughs> I don't need to see the long-ass journey it took him to get to the point where he hated Scott. Um, it's, it's not important to me. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah, it's this whole thing. Like, even the Odyssey had some tension. Like, well, he might not get back. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know if he'll get, you know, Odysseus will get back. But, yeah, when you're writing up to a point, and this is, this is I mean, it was sort of the problem with, uh, or the, not the problem, it was the danger of Clone Wars, the animated series. It's like, yeah. well, you have to get, to, we, we know what's at the beginning and we know what's at the end. But the, I think the, the great thing they had was like, well, nobody ever said how long yeah, the I Clone Wars were. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, or how many there were. It says Clone Wars, you know. Like, the multiple implies. Right. And I think they've made really good use of that. It's like, well, you don't know, you know where, you know, how it ends, you don't know exactly when and where we are on that timeline, you know. And, and yeah, and I, I watched a, a fair amount of The Clone Wars, too, and just and just being like, this this makes me actually like Anakin more than oh, God, the yeah. movies yeah. ever did. Oh, yeah, definitely. And and you bought the the relationship between him and Padma uh, Padme and, and everything like why it was so you know kind of it was so taboo and everything right. and because um, uh, a mutual friend of Kara's and mine uh, a guy named Aaron George we would have extensive Star Wars conversations in the in the history office <laughs> just be sitting there because he he. I'm not even kidding. And if George is listening to this, I swear to God, I'm going to point this out. Uh, <laughs> he, he likes episode three, but doesn't like episode four. Really? Um, yeah, and I almost had to shank him. It's almost ended uh, friendship. Yes. <laughs> Let's see. Okay. Um, hmm. Okay. I mean, I could maybe see that it likes episode three. Because the good thing about episode three is that it ends. Yes. <laughs> That is a good thing. I, will but say, then you I like episode start. three out of the best out of all the original. I mean, the, uh, the prequel trilogy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, because Phantom Menace was horrifying. Yeah. Wow. Just horrible and bad. Um, the the middle one, whatever the hell that's called, um, yeah. is a middle one. It, it, and it's just whiny Anakin being like, I want to be the greatest I Jedi. I slaughtered them like animals. <laughs> Right. I think it had a great set piece battle, but that's about it. That was and, it. Yeah. And it's it's designed to not go anywhere. Yeah. So it, it can't be great, which is the actually the most amazing thing about Empire Strikes Back. 
yeah, but it just it it ends on this huge down note, right? But it's still such, like you, it's still such a good. I mean, it's a middle piece. It's mm-hmm. designed to not fulfill you in any way. Yes, <laughs> but it's such a good movie. But it works on every level because that it just makes you want to see the third one more. Right. right. You're like, I want to see the resolution to this, and then there were Ewoks, and you're like, okay. Right. I'm like, uh, and yeah, and you you, you kind of think, why didn't Peter Jackson watch Empire? <laughs> you know, although I'm I'm mad at Peter Jackson. Oh no! What did he do to you? <laughs> Show us on the doll, Phil. <laughs> it's a Hobbit. It's the smallest of the Tolkien books. Why is it nine hours of film? I could read that book in a shorter amount of time than it would take me to watch all of those movies. Exactly. If you take out the set pieces and the sweeping shots of landscape, it's probably closer to six hours. And the the white orc. Like, wait a minute. It's Tolkien. You don't need to add anything. Albino orcs, of course. With the stick hand that he just shoved into his stump. That looks right. so painful. <laughs> orcs live on pain. Right. That's his white wolf, because he has to have the albino matching wolf. <laughs> I know, which, like, that's a little... Isn't that a little fashion-forward for an orc? <laughs> Coordinating? It's like... We like what you've been doing there with that uh, with that white wolf there. Where did you get it? Be about style. <laughs> Me frugal, but not too frugal. I don't want to blend into the woods at all. I want people to see me coming straight exactly. for yeah. them. <laughs> Which is kind of badass. <laughs> yeah. Like, I want the eagles to see me like, when they come in their day of sex mocking away. There's a massive form of arrows flying down at me. I want to make sure the arrows know where they're going. <laughs> <laughs> see, I, I, I defend the Hobbit movies to an extent because I do. I read it when I was a kid, um, and, and I saw the cartoon and everything. Ah, uh, more rank and bass. But, yeah, Rankin Bass. I just remember because um, when South Park did the Lemmy Winks episode, <laughs> and it's basically parroting the Hobbit cartoon with the the, the music. Oh, really? Oh my God! It's my my sister and I were watching that together, and we just because we watched the Rankin Bass cartoons growing up on like I think it was like Disney Channel uh, showed them or something, uh-huh. along with like Last Unicorn and all that kind of stuff. Uh, which I can still get my sister really riled up if I go, Unicorn! <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I I like, I kind of like that he's, you know, I know it's padding, but he's building the world up, I, I think, uh, as as much as he did with Lord of the Rings. You know, yes, it's a tinier story, but he's also taking him from the appendices and, like, trying to flesh out other relationships because the dwarves are just 13 guys and or 12 guys and Thorin. (laughs) Like, you barely even remember that they have names towards the end of it. That's true. true. So, I I do like the, some of the steps they take. Yeah, some, some of the shots are just, it's too long and it goes on, but I like what, I like going back to Middle Earth. It's, it's a fun vacation. Definitely. I mean, yes, don't get me wrong. I actually do enjoy the movies and I love what he's done with the, with the world and in terms of bringing it to life. But it's just like, why does it have to be so long? <laughs> and there's extended cuts. Of, of course. Of yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing. Anybody who puts out a three-hour movie shot an eight-hour one. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, there, there is no, like, three-hour version of Sharknado. Oh, my God, if there was. <laughs> you know, like, they, they had to find stuff. Like, guys, it has to be longer. <laughs> How many more sharks can we throw at them via a tornado? I mean, seriously, guys. Right, exactly. Like, here comes the shark foon. Um, <laughs> God, <laughs> run. What other meteorological things can we use sharks with? <laughs> Going back to Lord of the Rings, you were the voice of Ratbag for Shadow of Mordor. Yes. Oh, you want to talk about some uh, Tolkien deep cuts? Yeah. Sure. Some yeah. way deep cuts. <laughs> I actually like really enjoyed that game, but you kind of—I just lost you at like after like half the game, you just disappeared. I just didn't oh, really? know where you, went. you were still causing trouble, I guess. But I was just like on the other side of the world. Oh. Or you have to, you have to you know, go play it again and stick with me. <laughs> God, did I, like, did I make it all the way up to War Chief? You did. You did get War Chief. I made sure I put you up there, and then we conquered, and then I left. <laughs> like, I hope he's okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think there's actually much for me to do after that point. Um, yeah, I, just I still haven't off. played it yet. It's really I good. A, I have a PS3. Um, so it's, it's, it ju- the, uh, the PS3 version just came out, and I haven't downloaded it yet. Because now, now I'm stuck thinking, because I read some reviews that said that the PS3 version is less complete than the PS4. So I'm like, God, should I get a, do I need to get the new system to play the, but then I realized, dude, you're not going to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've gotten to this this horrible age where I can't even, like, get up to my characters anymore. <laughs> I have to hire an eight-year-old to do it for me. <laughs> Call me when like, you get to my, my character. <laughs> I, like, I don't want to play as your character. But, I, uh, I have you guys at... seen the, the, the stuff from that game? I know I know Sean has, but it's a really, really cool game. Uh, I'm not a gamer, so I don't really... <laughs> Check, just take a look at um, some of the um, stuff on YouTube. There's, like, a, a lot of cinematics, because, like, the... The way the story goes, I mean, there's, you know, Black Hand and, um, oh, God, what's the um, the elf who created the One Ring? Celebrimbor. <laughs> yes, Celebrimbor is a character in the game. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> sort of. Sort of. Yeah. Kind of. He, yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, no, he's a, he was, yeah, he's a character. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a character. Um, yeah, I mean, it's some really, like, deep, deep stuff. And that's another one that's wedged in between existing uh, tent poles in the, in the, the, the franchise. Uh, mm-hmm. But in a really cool way, I thought. Yeah, it's after uh, Gollum's lost the ring, but before, I guess, Bilbo's 111th birthday. But right, right, uh, right. somewhere in between that 100 and like, whatever period of time that he's still alive, that's when it's happening. Wow. Oh, cool. So, Phil, how, how deep does your fandom go for certain things? <laughs> um, I think my, my deepest fandom is uh, superhero comics. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm pretty deep. Uh, yeah. I've gotten behind on uh, stuff, like I said, because I'll go on and off DC or Marvel. Um, like... And I was deep into Batman. Scott Snyder brought me back to Batman in a huge yeah. way. That's um, oh, yeah. And then the Batman Eternal thing, I just I just fell off again. Yeah, exactly. See, 
Nobody understands. That's that's exactly what I happen to me. <laughs> you know, like every time you get on a great run with something, they'll change writers or there'll be this, you know, this edict that comes down from above. We need a we're doing a, you know, a, a, a company-wide crossover thing and it's like, ah. Again, guys, we're just two years into this thing. Like, yeah. I buy like three comics a week, and now you're telling me I have to buy twelve. <laughs> right, and then, then I just stop. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. I, yeah, I, I just had that with and, them. Although, did any of you read Identity Crisis when it uh, was? Yeah, I've read it in trade. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, all of those guys involved with that. Some of them I've met in the years since. I really like them, and I know what they were going for. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that Brad Meltzer is a really great guy. <laughs> but I hold him personally responsible for the tone of comics for the last 10 years. Yeah. And, like, it's funny, because uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I was at Baltimore Comic Con, and I got to MC the, um, the Harvey Awards. And there was a bunch of, you know, comic book people in that crowd. I was just like, all right, guys, we get it. Comics aren't just for kids anymore. <laughs> now, can we cut out the disemboweling and the decapitations and the sex on the splash page? Yeah. Like, it's gotten to the point where I now place my Playboys on top of my Marvel comics. So my kids <laughs> don't see them. Same with the DC stuff when the New 52 started and they, uh... Catwoman, had- hello. Yeah, Catwoman! Oh, cowl on cowl sex, baby. That's right. It's, like, it's just like, even looking at that page, you're like, how is that working? Like, that cannot be comfortable. <laughs> but honestly, you know what my biggest problem with it was? What? Is psychologically. Mm. I'm like, I don't think Batman can get it up. <laughs> you know, because the guy is so... Messed it's just up not dangerous head. enough for him or something. <laughs> although, although maybe it's the maybe it's the cowl, like Bruce yeah, can, maybe. but Batman can, and that's why he had to keep the cowl on. But like, <laughs> seriously, if you're swinging around beating people up, that's that's where all of that testosterone is going. <laughs> I, I figure just the, the adrenaline rush of it all is pretty much like fueling half of that. And, and yeah, so I guess okay, and also you know. I've been watching her in that outfit for like 25 years. <laughs> it's really like I've seen it already, okay? Yeah. Well, yeah, in terms of Gotham now, they've known each other since they were 11. Oh, my so. God. Exactly. So aggravating. <laughs> uh, one episode just like turned me off so hard of that show. Yeah, I think I'm hate-watching it now. Yeah, I'm so rage. I'm like rage-watching. I'm just like, oh, I can't stop, but I'm going to watch it. Like Harvey Dent just showed up. Of course yeah. he's flipping a coin. Be... Of course his face is half in shadow. Oh <laughs> wow, that's so funny. He's be of course, Nick Batman... has a mug with a question mark on it. He's gonna be like seventy-five when Batman finally comes around. I swear. Exactly. Yeah. All of like the major villains so far are in their like late, you know, maybe early thirties or something like that. So. By the time Bruce even dons the cape and cowl, which is in about another like twelve, thirteen years, right. they're they're collecting social security. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cobblepot always seemed older than yeah, I was, yeah. A penguin, I would I would be okay with, but and oddly enough, he's the only interesting character on the entire show. Like I'm okay with Nick. Well. I mean, I haven't I haven't watched uh, more than like a couple of the episodes, but it seemed like 
that's the one that the writers clicked into. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, is this going to become, like, Penguin City? I kind of wish it would. Well, because <laughs> that, the Jada Pinkett character just seemed like, she's going to die, right? She should die. She should die soon or something. she got to get out of there. Eventually, she, she, I, if she doesn't, I'll be very shocked if they keep her around. <laughs> but, but you guys aren't, aren't loving it, I take. No. no. What about, what about the Flash? I, I love the Flash. Oh, Flash, good. <laughs> really? Okay, I gotta try it. Kara, have you been watching the Flash? I have not. I what? I am. I'm afraid. No, afraid. don't Do not be, be afraid. Don't be afraid. There's gonna be John Wesley Ship in a padded uh, suit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oddly enough, he does appear in the show. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, that's... He's playing Barry's daddy. Ha. Ah. I'm just more like the the one of the things that really bugged me and, and consist you know consistently bugs me about the new Fifty Two was the absence of Wally, because uh, Wally was I mean was was my Flash, ah. uh, you know not just from the cartoon I mean he he became the Flash I think in '85 I, I think was around the time, right, right. So he's been the Flash as long as I've pretty much been alive. Uh, so. Right. When they uh, when they brought Barry back, you know, and and I know that Jeff Johns had a huge uh, love for both Wally and and Barry, but when they brought Barry back, it's like, no, Wally and the kids, and he's growing up and maturing, and like, nope, uh, <laughs> get rid of it, erased, like get away, and then you know, you and Michael Rosenbaum and your uh, a rookie and the old soldier kind of thing right. uh, in Justice League was just it was like perfect. Like, that was the, the relationship you needed to kind of counteract all the other ones yeah. in the show. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because I've had people come up to me and say that, like, when they came out with the feature, the Green Lantern feature film, they're like, who's that guy? Yeah. That's not Green Lantern. You know, because <laughs> for, no, for non-comic book people, Hal Jordan was who? Yeah, the I think Hal only appears like briefly in Unlimited. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, during the during the time switch or whatever. Uh, yeah, so it's like John Stewart for a a whole generation was the only Green Lantern anyone knew. <laughs> and then to like, so who's the what? What's with the white dude playing? Right, right, exactly. Like, what happened here? Although the, uh, the funny thing to me would be if you know there's a. The the conclusion Hollywood drew from that is like, well, nobody wants a white Green Lantern. It just doesn't work. People just want <laughs> to watch that. <laughs> Which is the conclusion they would have drawn had they made it with a black Green Lantern and it tanked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we've got going for a Wonder Woman movie now, too, where we're just like, it has to be good. If it's not good, they're going to take the wrong message. And- oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I have to have my fingers crossed, my toes crossed. Um, take up voodoo. I don't know, but just like yeah, but yeah. You, now that you're doing all that, you're gonna build yourself up to disappointment anyway. True, <laughs> and I often do. <laughs> like, there's so many ways that I want to rewrite the Green Lantern movie, where it's just like you had stuff that could have been useful, and <laughs> you blew it. <laughs> Yeah. Like and the same with Man of Steel where it's like I see the nuggets of a great movie in there and it's like, "Oh, you wasted that opportunity." <laughs> so it's it's a t- I mean, and I don't even think that Green Lantern is I think Wonder Woman is a tough one. You know, in terms of the original concept, which you can't do. <laughs> 
you know, it's like, well, she's sort of a lesbian, but sort of not, and she's from another world, but on this world, and it's a mythological, I mean, it's like, the anti-intellectualism of our time will not let you ground it in mythology, um, mm-hmm. except for, you know, a little bit, it's like, but you gotta leave there quick, you know, <laughs> I figure, I'm figuring it'll probably be the first 13 minutes, mm-hmm. then she's in New York. Of course. Um, Where she belongs. <laughs> but then, like, who is she? Because that's, because as, I mean, that's to me been the problem with Wonder Woman throughout the ages. Like, uh-huh. we know she's super powerful. She's the female Superman. Yeah, but who is she? Well, she's, you know, a princess, but she's really a warrior, but she's a goddess, but she's nice. <laughs> you know? Have you, uh, did you read uh, Brian Azzarello's uh, run on Wonder Woman at all? I, I, when New 52, I, I liked the, the take on it that they had at the beginning of New 52, but the, mm-hmm. the art didn't grab me, so I, I sort of fell off of it. Oh, it's so good, because it, 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 just, it just wrapped up pretty much this last month. Oh, really? Uh, well, their run. Now the Finches are on it, and I'm dropping the book, so. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was rough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I, I would recommend reading that because I think that they do a really good job of of giving you all those answers. Oh, do you think that's what they'll use as the the, the groundwork for the movie? They're talking the as far as I know in terms of things that I've read and in a couple of interviews I've seen, uh, they are probably going with the New Fifty Two origin in terms of Diana being the daughter of Zeus. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they're probably going to sidestep the mold from Clay because. Yeah, if you're thinking about a Hollywood audience, they probably won't accept the molded from clay and <laughs> left by the gods and whatever. It, as much as I'd like to really see that actually happen, like if they go full on myth, right. you know, that kind of stuff, because it's it's such a huge, grandiose world that they could explore, but probably won't. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I have faith in Michelle McLaren, who's going to be directing it and also helping develop it. So, And she's got experience with, like, uh, fantasy, sci-fi, action, all that kind of stuff in television. So, oh, cool. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just feel like the thing you've got to do is you've got to go full bore Iron Man with it. You have to toss out anything from continuity that doesn't work, that doesn't mm-hmm. feed into, like, use the things that do. You know, the temples that have run through this character that have made people respond to it. Because there, there is some reason that these characters are still in front of us. You know, because like, I know working in sketch, there's a thing. We do, you'll go on stage, you'll do a scene. Every once in a while, you'll do a character that gets a response. Mm-hmm. And that response is not tied to... The, the funny premise you came up with, there's just something about what you're presenting to the audience, and they are saying, ooh, that! And you have to respond to it. You have to acknowledge it, and and that's the thing you, you have to hold on to when you're transferring it. Like, the UPS guy was a character that wasn't... The sketch was just, like, a premise. It's like, hey, what if a guy tried to pick up a woman that was way out of his league but he was too dumb to realize it, you know? And the character just was like, well, maybe I'll do it like this. It was just a random choice. But then people responded to the character 
you know, as opposed to responding to the jokes or the premise of the sketch or whatever, I'm like, huh, maybe there's something here. Um, and I've heard that from other uh, sketch people that I know who, like, sometimes you just, you know, stumble backwards into something. Mm-hmm. And I think with, with these characters, with Superman and Wonder Woman, the tough thing is, you know, I had, like, four, three UPS guy sketches before I got onto Mad TV. So it was still pretty distilled. When you've got 70 years of material to draw from, like, okay, let's skip the 93 to 97, you know. Like, no, 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 there's stuff in there. We've got to use some of the stuff Uh, from there. Right. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, because it's the the problem I I feel like DC's cinematic universe is falling into, and, and especially the comics as well, is just making everyone into Batman. Right. Yeah, which like, is what I heard from about the last Superman movie. It was just like gritty Superman. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. Jesus, gritty Superman. Uh. Right. Which makes which makes you wonder, like, well, if you've got gritty, what's Batman versus Superman going to be? It's like I'm gritty. No, I'm gritty. I'm gritty. Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, it's like Superman actually killed a guy, and and so is Batman like, coming to take him in? Yeah, I don't know how that works, because if you have the two of them go up against each other, because it's all Batman v. Superman court justice law and order thing. Right. Um, <laughs> dawn of whatever. <laughs> uh, it's just like, okay, so when they go up against each other, you have one dark brooding character versus another dark brooding character. Exactly. When in the comics, it's not that at all, you know, or it shouldn't be. Um, one of my favorite bits from the the Batman Superman um, World's Finest the, during the cartoon, uh, just the way they figure out each other's identities funny. is pretty much like, it's the only way I can even see that happening is, uh, have, have you seen that, right, Phil? Uh, uh, no. Okay, so, so basically Bruce is in Metropolis for reasons. Uh, he's tracking someone down. Uh, they meet up as Superman and Batman. Superman peeks under the cowl, and uh, Bruce knows. He's like, you peeked. And uh, they separate. Clark goes home. He's taking the uniform off, and then he sees a tracker on his cape. Ha! And he looks out the window, and he's like the long vision, and there's Batman with his binoculars, and he just smiles and jumps off the roof. That's funny. Like, that's the way it has to be. Like, they won't do it that way, obviously, but it's when you see something that so perfectly, I think, encompasses the two characters, mm-hmm. you're just like, why can't you guys just adapt the cartoon to the movie? <laughs> I know. And there, there, there are ways. I mean, because are they supposed to be using the storyline from Dark Knight? They're using Dark Knight Returns, I think, as, as a template. Right. Um, yeah, I've heard Because nobody wants to watch old, old superheroes? Nope, never. Sell. They're not sexy. Right. <laughs> Unless they're Bruce Willis firing guns at people. With them. <laughs> That's right, 70-year-old diehard. You know, it's literally become now, you're literally dying hard. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although he refuses to die, considering all the stuff he's gone through in those movies, right. John McClane should be dead. That could be the next title of the movie, Refuses to Die Hard. Refuses <laughs> to Die Hard. That's hilarious. <laughs> The Grim Reaper's just standing there going, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Keep living. I'll sit in a retirement home where former Nazis live as well, 
so he has to fight them. (laughs) He somehow ends up in the air ducts again, and he's like, come out to your retirement home, have a few laughs. That's so funny. He has to get to the bingo room. (laughs) I'm writing this movie now. (laughs) It'll make a million dollars. Start it. (laughs) Okay. Phil, you're on board, right? (laughs) Yeah. You, you can be one of the attendants being like, John? <laughs> you come back here. McLean? Time for your pills. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, we've been going for over an hour here, um, which is amazing because it's been flying by. This is this has been awesome, Phil. Um, uh, I do want to wa- talk a little bit about uh, your voiceover work a little bit more extensively just so that we I know. Can... I, I'm sorry. I haven't let you guys ask any questions. I well, think. I actually nope. have a question for you. Uh-huh. Good. You know, you, you have a lot of credits on your name. Like, you can – I could – you know, if somebody asked me what, like, what voices you've done, I could come up with probably the main ones that you'd be known for. But there's, like, roles that you have looking at your IMDb page – and I noticed that, you know, I watched the uh, documentary, I Know That Voice, which goes a lot into voice acting, which, you know, you f- you are in a little bit there. Uh, and it's, how do they come up to you and ask you to do multiple roles? Do you audition for all of them? Or do they just say, hey, you would sound good doing this guy. Try try doing that, you know, in this re- like recording session. Well, it's interesting because the primary uh, reason that occurs is financial. Um, it uh, the animation voiceover contract says that you get paid scale to do two voices um, and an extra ten percent. Is it one voice? No, it's one voice. Ten percent for two additional voices, and then. After three voices, they have to pay you double. Oh, okay. So almost nobody ever gets hired for four voices. But for them to maximize their budget, they need everybody to do at least three. Um, So now obviously there will be times where they hire, you know, a celebrity or something who can't really do multiple voices. Um, so they sort of eat that money, but in general, with voice people, they expect you to deliver at least three voices. Usually, you're hired to do one main character and two um, smaller characters, um, and that's. Although there are also people, you know, in this business who do multiple leading characters, um, mm-hmm. but you know those because there's so many people who are just that talented, uh, like Billy West on Futurama. Oh my God, Billy West! You know, so cool. it was just incredible. Um, yeah, because I heard you on um, uh, Rob Paulson's podcast, Talking Tunes. Um, just the two of you going back and forth with your characters as well. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, I saw Rob uh, today. Uh, he's just—he's another one who's just amazingly talented and incredibly sweet. Oh yeah, uh, I saw—I saw him at Rose City Comic Con uh, this last um, October. Uh, and yeah, just him and Maurice were there and just so, so nice. <laughs> it's just, you, you go up to me, you're like, you're my childhood. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, so kind of going back to with, um, with like Samurai Jack and, and the, you know, the, the silence and the, uh, the, the, le- the 
I'm sorry, minimal dialogue, I guess. Is it harder for you to do something like that where it's like, okay, Jack only has a couple of lines. They have to be significant in this way versus maybe like a character like Hermes who has a lot to say and I guess more to work with. Do, do you make those distinctions at all? Um, not really. I mean, I think if you get uh, ego wrapped up in it, you can say, oh, I don't have enough lines. Um, <laughs> but with something like Samurai Jack, it's it's easy to appreciate the artwork, you know, mm-hmm. and of, of the whole endeavor. And it's like, okay, it's not about me in any way, shape, or form. I'm here to serve the character in the story. Um, and also working with really talented people like that who are appreciative, you know, of what you're doing. You don't, I don't feel like, oh, I've got to prove myself to them, you know, by saying more or doing <laughs> with it, you know. And also when I first got the job, Gendy Tartakovsky had sh- showed me the, um, the animation test he'd made to sell it to the, to the network, which was basically the fight between Jack and the razor-bladed beetle uh, robots in the first episode. Um, mm-hmm. And you saw, I'm like, okay, I get it. I'm not going to sit here and try to pitch jokes or say, hey, what if he says, because you see, I, I saw what my purpose was. Mm-hmm. you know. And actually, I felt the same way about Futurama. Um, I wasn't playing Fry. Yeah. The, sh- the show wasn't generally about my character, you know, Hermes was a supporting character. So he would come in and he would have jokes and, you know, um, and s- usually, s- all right, the professor has an announcement to make, you know, <laughs> something like, you know, like laying some pipe to get us to the plot. Yeah. Um, and then as, as it went on, you know, things, you know, there would be episodes about Hermes or whatever. So everybody played their part. Um, and that's the thing, especially when you have multiple characters, I don't think anybody, you have much less ego involved than than I get. I think you get with on camera. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, hey, we're all in this together, and we're only going to spend four hours on this. The animators are going to spend eight, nine months. So, yeah. like, if we're if we're going to have a problem with how much work we get to do, we should just go do another business. Yeah. Like, do you want to animate the show, Phil? Do you exactly? <laughs> And um, what have the different, like, recording sessions been like for you as well? Because I um, I previously talked to Susan Eisenberg, and she's going to be coming back on the show, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah, she actually told me to to email you. She was like, Phil's great. You know, just just ask him. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I will do that. So, um, but, yeah, she, she talked about how uh, when you guys were recording Justice League, you were pretty much all in the room except for maybe like Kevin because he was in New York. Right. Um, so like what have the different rooms been like for you? Like with Futurama with um, uh, your, cause you're Baxter Stockman on TMNT as well, mm-hmm. which is awesome. <laughs> so I'm a huge Turtles fan. Oh, so. cool. Yeah. Uh, the, when the, uh, the, his name is Baxter Stockman it's episode. Baxter Stockman. Hey, what's up, Baxter Lockman? No, it's Baxter Stockman. Uh, anything Greg Sipes uh, says to you, it's just like... Uh, I came up with a nickname for you. 
Mikey's the best at naming things. Exactly. Uh, so uh, what are those different rooms like for you? Like, do you like it when it's it's more you on your own, or do you like the energy of feeding off of other actors in the in the moment? No, I believe it's always better um, when you have the actors there. I mean, like we were talking about Star Wars before, like, is it better to act against a tennis ball on a stick or against a person? You know, mm-hmm. if I can't imagine anyone who does a better job alone, you know, some people may be more comfortable with it, but mm-hmm. I don't, I, I think even those people aren't better alone. Um, the, I've been really fortunate to work with smart people who get it and realize that, oh, you can actually do a, record a room full of actors faster <laughs> than you can record all of those actors individually. Mm-hmm. And it's true. There will be eight of us um, recording all of our lines for, you know, in a four-hour session. Whereas when I'm alone, they book an hour for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they book an hour for everybody else. So that's eight hours. It doesn't make any yeah. sense. Like you, <laughs> Economically right, speaking. You doubled your studio costs. The actors still cost the same. And, and even though when people get in the room together, people like, you know, make jokes and kibitz and we, sp- we waste a lot of time. Mm-hmm. I, I swear that the work you get, the takes you get, I think it even saves you time in post. Because an editor is like, well, we'll just use this whole sequence. I don't, have to, I don't have to cut it all together because that line, he bounced off of the line he heard, and that goes together so much better mm-hmm. you know, than if I had to, like, take three different days' worth of recordings and go, okay, does this one match with that one? You know, and the shows like Futurama and Ninja Turtles, where people value their writing, mm-hmm. they want to hear it come to life. They want to hear the lines bouncing off each other. I mean... There are a lot of animated shows that aren't written at that level where maybe it really doesn't matter that much. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, there's really only six ways to say this line. You know, so <laughs> just get six takes and we'll be fine. Like, we'll, we'll switch it in post, whatever. <laughs> just get some dude chain smoking in the booth. And <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, because it's... Uh, it's so interesting just to kind of hear the different perspectives from, from voiceover actors, you know, also depending on the show. Cause um, you guys are, it's just so incredible what you guys can come up with when you're together versus when you're by yourself. Yeah. Um, I mean, just the, the play by play, you know, between, I, I suppose like you and Billy or, you know, you and John DiMaggio or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Cause especially like the Zoidberg Hermes, uh, rivalry right. is is like amazing, and I can't imagine y- you can really get that kind of. Um, I guess I love it when characters are just angry for no apparent reason. <laughs> like the professor, whenever he's just like, "I'm going to the angry dome," <laughs> like, exactly. And then you just see it. Oh my god, it cracks me up every time. Or like Morbo or something like that. Um, the I told Maurice this. Like the the windmills do not work that way. Line is like still killed me to this day. <laughs> but, like, anytime Hermes would just yell at Zoidberg for presumably no reason. Right, it's like, shut your hole, you stinking crab! <laughs> I want that as a ringtone now. 
the, I mean, those were those were the times where you're just like, oh my god, I love this show so much because it was just it was the characters building off of each other um, within the story. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, the the funny thing is the writers on Futurama are not performers. They're all like Harvard nerd people, and the fact that they come up with this stuff. Does the Yale guy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and the the stuff they come up with, like when you read it on the page, you're like that's hilarious. How do they? How do they know it will work? Because there are a lot of comedy writers who are performers and are sort of stand ups, and you can tell, like, okay, he, this is his voice, and I can tell him, I can imagine him saying this in a writing room, and people going, ah, that's great. But all of these guys are, you know, like little guys like this. I, I can never imagine any of them saying the lines. <laughs> but when they hand them to us on the page, I'm like, that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, when you read it, does it is is it as funny as when you start saying it? Or I mean, um, usually, yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of ad libbing needed. Um, but then there's there's also the spins that people can put on things. You know, yeah, especially once you get John or Billy, you know, playing with with lines and scenes. Um, And there really is just something about the way someone can take a line off of a page and bring it to life that that, you know, I I think that's, you know, why that that's sort of the skill that, uh, you know, that that is our, our specialty. Not everybody can do it. And it took me a few years of doing this before I realized, oh, not everybody can read uh, some words on a page and not sound like they're reading words off a page. Mm-hmm. You have to have some kind of a performance background to you. <laughs> I, or, or just an, an affinity for it. Mm-hmm. You know? um, so I had a question, and then I lost it somewhere. Oh, no. Okay, I have one. Like, okay, Sean, go. <laughs> so I'm reading, okay, because, you know, I go to IMDb for all my information for other than media for anything else. <laughs> it says in your bio that your trademark is high-pitched, fast-talker to deep-voiced, slow-talker. What does that mean, and can you demonstrate it? <laughs> that is one of the parts of the IMDb that is not accurate. I don't know what the fuck that means. Oh, well, I was looking forward to that. I was like, this sounds very interesting. <laughs> I mean, it's not your Yale University, right? So, I mean, like, come on. <laughs> Because I honestly, I have no idea what they meant by that. Okay. Then um, you can't go from zero to 60 and slew it back then. <laughs> wait, let me see that. Because, yeah, I remember seeing that there. I'm like, huh. I have a skill I didn't know. Aren't there, like, actors that usually, like, pad their own resumes? Like, you're just like, people are padding it for me now. <laughs> but also the fact that, like, anyone put trademark. Trademark? What does that even mean? <laughs> like... I don't think any of my characters, well, a couple of them sound a little similar, um, but high-pitched fast talker is actually not something I do much at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm trying to think of, I've done a couple of high-pitched characters. Your, your Michael Jackson was pretty good. Right, but not a fast talker. It's no. crazy. It's insane. <laughs> you know. Oh, I was watching the Action Jackson thing from oh. that <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it brought back so many memories. I was like, oh, 
Oh, shoot. <laughs> you know, my favorite Michael Jackson sketch we did is one that was, to me, the closest to a, a superhero. It, we basically did a sketch where Michael Jackson was a supervillain. <laughs> he, he appears on Oprah, and Oprah's asking about his new baby, and he says, When I saw my new baby, I looked into my baby's eyes, and I knew what I had to do. <laughs> be the best father you can be? No. Destroy the earth as we know it. And then, like, you know, you cut to, like, missiles, you know, coming out of silos and an army of, like, 12-year-olds with machine guns. And he's going to, like, release a, a, a series of missiles that have a chemical in them that will destroy everyone over the age of 12. Okay. <laughs> Wait, Michael, you're over 12. No, I'm not. <laughs> and, and, and this... And, Here's where it, it comes out of evergreen territory. Um, the hero of the sketch is um, Michael Flatley, the Lord of the Dance. Of course. Really big in 1990-whatever year we did the sketch. And he and Michael have a dance-off, and then he defeats Michael. Um, but Michael, like a good supervillain, um, moonwalks away and escapes to fight <laughs> another day. So you have a lot of credit, to, like a little, like a lot of celebrity voices. You do. Is it ever weird to like meet those celebrities and be like, I hear you do a voice of me? You're like, no, not really. It's like, do well, right now. You, you know, that's <laughs> funny because I think last week was the first time that actually happened. Oh, really? Because I've I've you know done a lot of celebrity voices and I've met people. I met a couple of people that I've done voices of well is that true no well no no not actually none of them after the fact um but i was working on a sitcom with will arnett (laughs) and in the makeup trailer we were talking about his voice how great his voice is and i started doing my will the will arnett (laughs) voice and the people like oh my god that's so me you have to do it for him like no that's okay. It's like, no, no, you have to. And then later they say, Will, you... It's like, so, I hear you uh, do an impression. <laughs> like, um, okay, you're not going to... Because the thing is, nobody ever thinks an impression of them sounds like them. Well, yeah. It's, it's automatic death, <laughs> you know? And, of course, I did it, and everybody else in the room was like, oh, my God, that's really... It's like, well, you know, there's some... It's okay. You know? <laughs> There's parts of it that you're not really getting. So can we just give you all the Batman lines from the Lego Movie? And you'll just <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because we were at uh, Ninja Turtles today, and I'm like, oh wait a minute, he was part of the Ninja Turtles movie. Yeah, yeah, he was. You know, I'm like, oh wow, he's everywhere. Yeah, if only that movie had been like good or something. <laughs> yeah, well, it is among the best Megan Fox films. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> right? Come on. Who's going to argue with I, that? I don't know I if I would, I'm trying to think if I'd rather watch that or, like, Jennifer's Body. <laughs> I'm having a really hard time deciding. <laughs> or you could watch the first Transformers. Well, no, no. Okay, it's not It's not better than Jennifer's Body. Because if doesn't Jennifer's Body have, like, simulated sex and I'm assuming some nudity? Probably, yeah. So as a Megan Fox movie, that's already much better. <laughs> <laughs> like, then then comes T2. 
TMNT, then transform. I don't know. <laughs> let's let's move Chance Transformers all the way down. Okay. Well, <laughs> the franchise she got fired from. Yeah. And then oddly enough, still gets hired for a movie that Michael Bay is. Because now that Steven's not there, he's like, nah, you can come on. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was weird. So, yeah, Hollywood's weird. I don't understand it anymore. <laughs> I try to figure it out, and it's like, nope, you're, no, you're never going to figure this one out. You're just going to go blind, and blood will split out of your ears. Right. <laughs> uh, no, no, the funny thing is, uh, we did a, I did a reading of the script for the, for the Ninja Turtles movie. Um, oh, really? They actually had me read Baxter Stockman. <laughs> oh. Um, and yet did not cast you. No. No, they did not. Um, <laughs> and from what I read, because there wasn't much to do, so they mm-hmm. didn't want to pay somebody. To, they, basically, they didn't want to fly me to New York <laughs> to do those, like, five lines. So I think they hired somebody local. Um, do, do you feel like you dodged a bullet? Um, I, I yeah. Especially after that first <laughs> reading, I was just like, "Wow, okay." Mm-hmm. I mean, because obviously a lot of it you couldn't capture. There's a lot of the special effects and stuff. Um, yeah. but it was yeah, it was not it, it was not an impressive showing. Let's say. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because comparatively with the with the cartoon, where you can just pretty much kind of go wild with the voice to a certain extent. I mean, you can uh, say the lines in certain ways, and they animate it, uh, you know, accordingly uh, when they get the take that they want and everything. Right. I, and Baxter is such a, a great. Uh, I love the way that they evolved him in the show. Yeah. Um, as as with all the villains, like the how the Rat King comes about was like. Totally out of what left field for me. <laughs> and it's Jeffrey Combs. I mean, of course it's Jeffrey Combs. Of course. <laughs> yeah. So just what they did with Baxter, I thought was, it's just like, okay, well, it hits all of the notes that I remember from not only the cartoons, but from the movies and, and that kind of stuff. And and that's what I've always appreciated about the show is it honors the stuff that came before it in the best way possible. Yeah. Yeah. And then still finds a way to find a new angle. Like we're hoping J.J. will do with Star Wars. But yeah, it's definitely people who grew up with the thing, love the thing, but are not mm-hmm. slaves to the thing. Exactly. You know? It's like, right now, like, the whole show is just cabin in the woods stuff. <laughs> and, and it's all working. You're just like, how can they sustain this? And it's like, turns out for a long time. <laughs> oh my god, I know. And there's something about the 3D... Mm-hmm. That, like, makes it... Re- Some of the stuff is just super, super creepy. Yeah. And I'm like, this is on Nickelodeon? Really? Okay! <laughs> well, it's like the same network that, well, Legend of Korra was on television, and then it was on line, and now I don't know what's going on. Um, Wait, Legend but, of Korra's not on anymore? It, well, it's, it's online now. They're, they're airing them... They're releasing them on Fridays. Wait, the n- new episodes online? Yeah. I had no idea. Oh yeah, they 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 dropped it from the the T V lineup. Because that's what happens like, with good shows that people actually enjoy if they get exactly. pulled. Like right before New York City Comic Con, I think. Hmm. Well, uh and then have like three shows. Yeah. Because uh, apparently if it's not SpongeBob it's not worth their time. Oh, SpongeBob is done too. Is it? I think so. 
Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, used, I used to annoy my roommate with uh, SpongeBob because we would be watching television and I'd flip the channel and go over to SpongeBob. I'm like, oh, look, your favorite show. <laughs> and he'd just like, stare at me like he was going to murder me in my sleep. <laughs> She's probably close to. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, no, Cora is only online now on Fridays. So, uh, and they're, they're like, Four episodes away, I think, from being done. Yeah, with one of them being a filler episode. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Aww. I know. Like the good shows always go away before you want them to. Like, I mean, because you were um, you, you're you were Aquaman on uh, Young Justice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I miss Young Justice like every day of my life. <laughs> I light a candle for Young Justice. <laughs> I feel like though during like the first season they would have like blocks of like they they run a few shows. And then there'd be, like, this huge break, and you wouldn't know when it was coming back. Right. Yeah. It was, I remember Sam and I, we were watching it at the same time, and we were like, when is the next episode? Uh, it's been, like, five weeks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be, like, looking it up. Like, I would go on, because um, sometimes Wikipedia has, like, the dates. When oh, the, that's exactly uh, where I go. <laughs> like, is it Yeah. Right? No? Okay, good to know you, Wikipedia. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> They'd have, like, to be determined, and you're just like, well, that doesn't help me. They get angry like, when it's, like, next week, and it's not this week, and you're like, why? Why, Wikipedia, must you kill my night so easily? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, when they, they took it away, brought it back for, like, two weeks, took it away again, you're just like, it took them almost a year to get the first season finished. <laughs> and then it went right into the second season, and then it's like, well, it's canceled, no, whatever. It's, canceled on like a, it's like it ended on, like, that high cliffhanger note that you're just Oh my god, it was dark side. I, I, and you're I just need like, to see what happens. And it was just like, right. nope, you're never going to see what happens, ever. And you're like, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I can look this, I guess. <laughs> and I, I was talking to, uh, so Alan Kistler knows, um, I think was it Greg Wiseman? Who yeah. did, he did so. Uh, and he was saying, like, he can't get him to say anything about what would happen later. Because he's like, they might call. Right, they might right. call. <laughs> Like, come on! You killed Wally, and Darkseid showed up. God, <laughs> you're killing me. That's what's happening. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, yeah, because uh, another one of those shows that Karen and I would just feel like, oh, you, are you watching it right now? Have you caught up yet? So, like, I can't tell you things until you're caught up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we can't discuss the thing that happened. But there was plenty of time to catch up because there'd be a month break between each episode. <laughs> True. Like you had plenty of time to figure out what was going on with the Reach. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, yeah, I don't know. I mean, hope that's the only good thing about the new way of doing things, like the Amazons and the Netflixes, is that shows like you know creators like Greg can, in certain areas, get more leeway to tell stories the way they want to tell them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and as someone who's in the industry in terms of the voices, I mean, you, I mean, you have to pay attention to in terms of like pay scales and everything. But are you as much interested in like the Hollywood machine or the or how everything kind of functions, or do you think that's just something you have to be invested in because it's part of your job? Oh, I'm sorry. Say that one more time. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so being a, a voice actor within the industry. Um, do you find yourself paying more attention to how like it works or is it just kind of like part of being in the industry that you have, that it, it, it becomes kind of like your focus and attention? Well, I mean, 
we have so little control that tr- trying to f- figure that stuff out just fills you with like hopelessness and dread. Uh, so, have you been to Washington State? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, live in Canada, so huzzah. <laughs> I mean, my my take is, I mean, I just count my blessings, you know, and hope that it continues long enough for my kids to get through college. Uh, <laughs> hope the checks keep coming well, in. And also you try to, you know, sort of grow and expand um, to the extent that you can, Um because yeah, every the weird thing is there will be ebbs and flows, and you know that coming into this this job, um, and I'm you know I think that's part of the reason I've never really been able to let go of um, uh, the on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, oh, hold on, my wife, okay. <laughs> my wife just texted me that oh there is a mouse in the kitchen. Oh no. <laughs> You need to go and bravely kill it. Uh, I don't know how. We're, I, how do you kill a mouse? I'm gonna have to go buy some traps. Because uh, things you can't that. really catch a mouse. I have. Have you? How? Uh, well, it was at work. <laughs> I had a cardboard oh. box and a lot of patience. <laughs> did, you put, did you put food in the box and lure it in? No, I just lured it into like I cornered it basically until it could either run left or right, and I just dove and got it. Wow. Wasn't one of the, you know, a proud moment of my life, but I released it into the wild, so I felt pretty good. Oh, good for That's you. what they teach you in the wilds of Canada, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what we do here, catch mice. Well, the crazy thing is we have two cats, so I, I don't know how, like... You have one either, job. It's either an insane mouse or, you know... It's like holding a knife to your cat when you get downstairs. It's going to shank them. Right. It's like, I'm going to cut you, man. Yes, I, sh- I should probably go go uh, see what's going on. Okay, well, yeah, we've been going an hour and a half, and quite frankly, Phil, I could talk to you pretty much for the rest of the night if oh. we all didn't have to, like, go to bed. And- I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, thank you so much for, for coming on, and you're more than welcome to come back anytime. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, and uh, before we go, uh, where can people find you online, or uh, what shows should they be watching uh, to, to hear your the dulcet tones of your voice? <laughs> <laughs> um, what are we doing? Um, doing some more Ninja Turtles, doing Turbo Fast on Netflix, mm-hmm. um, and oh, uh, and uh, and I'm also um, always on my uh, Twitter at Phil Lamar, two L's in the middle, two R's on the end. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I'm trying, is there anything else new coming up? Um, well, and Shadows of Mordor, Shadow of Mordor is out as well, which is a, okay. a great game. Cool. Uh, Sean, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Twitter, at Sean Perot, and around Toronto doing comedy stuff. Yay! Yes, you're getting better at it, right? Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's, there's a ringing endorsement. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Learning process. He's trying. That's the important thing. Uh, Kara, uh, you're not as online as everyone else, but could people find you places? Um, they can find me at the University of Illinois. As the cool. visiting archival operations and reference specialist? Yes! <laughs> wow! <laughs> Phil Lamar has tracked you down. 
Google. You are not Google proof, Kara. I I know. There is a picture of me in a in a sailor's hat um, saluting. Oh, I haven't found that one yet. <laughs> yeah, I took that picture. It yeah. is, it's a very lovely picture. Oh, there it is. Um, <laughs> That's hilarious. Is your hair still that long? It's very lovely. Oh, thank you. It's not that long right now. Well, it's getting there now. You shaved it. <laughs> I'm sure you'll you'll grow it for winter. Yeah, yeah. It's already cold out here. Uh, yeah, and Kara is also uh, doing one of the newer segments on Maniacal Geek, which is Kara Reads Books. Oh, cool. <laughs> She's growing up so fast. She's reading and everything. I know. I need to do a new post soon. <laughs> yeah, you've got all those uh, ones banked up anyway. I right? know. <laughs> all those George R.R. R. Martin books that need to be reviewed. <laughs> Uh, and uh, you can find me uh, at darling underscore Sammy on Twitter, Maniacal Geek, Facebook, all the places. I am also not Google proof, so <laughs> I'm out there. Um, so, yeah, on behalf of That Girl with the Curls and Maniacal Geek and everything, Phil, thank you once again for coming on. My pleasure. It's great to talk with you guys. Yeah, and uh, have fun catching that mouse, I suppose. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, away! Green Lantern, away! Oh my god, I know. Alright, wish me luck. Alright, good luck. Good luck, thanks.